This is the Daily Perspective Podcast for Monday, November 30th, 2020. Hi there, Mark Congleton here, your sometimes humble host for this hour of observation, insight, and a bit of absurdity from time to time. When I say an hour, it's yeah, 52 minutes without the breaks. For you podcast subscribers, it's good to have you along. I hope you had a great holiday weekend, had some good times with your family, enjoyed some good eats, spent some quality time together, and survived the entire thing. Now, according to Dr. Burks, Madame Scarf, if you spent time with your family, you should have yourself tested for COVID. And uh, I... Listen, that's up to you. You be you, okay? If you're frightened, if you're scared, if if you believe that you have become infected by visiting with your family, then, you know, fine. Go ahead. Have yourself tested. I think most normal Americans by now, most sane Americans, realize that at this point in time, you have either had COVID-19 or you're going to get some weakened form of it sometime in the future. Because what's happening now, the the infections, the the cases we're seeing aren't as severe as they were in the beginning. The virus is mutated and life is actually getting back to normal, even though the fear mongers don't want you to know that. <laughs> and that's how we kick off on Monday. Hey, it's um, around our place. We had a good holiday weekend. It was quiet. Uh, it was uneventful in the sense that uh, nothing bad happened. So, uh, and that's always a good thing when you have family get togethers and there's no massive meltdowns and you know, you've got, you got crumb crunchers, curtain climbers, you got little ones all over the place. <laughs> the, the, uh, uh, I think the closest we came to crisis was, uh, uh, when a little almost two year old, uh, Millie Kate decided that she, uh, um, was not happy if anything in the room changed and she'd start squalling. And that was about it. So that's one of the one of the uh, eh, what the grand niece great niece I don't know anyway she's she's uh, my niece's youngest and and her, her little boy decided he wanted to get into my camera gear at one point because I I, I was I was asked to bring my camera gear along uh, for the family get together because they wanted to take kiddo pictures and and the like and and so I charged all my batteries and made sure the flash had fresh cells in it and uh and uh made sure i had um my diffusion filters and everything else necessary to do the job and then they decided not to do it anyway the bag is sitting in the middle of the dining room table which is not all decorated it's just they are waiting for people to go plop down once we decide to start feasting and um i put it out of reach i thought and i was sitting within eyeline of the of that table and trying to find an answer to a problem on my iphone while everybody's kind of milling around uh, a couple of guys talking about hunting in the next room the ladies all doing girl talk and i'm sitting there thinking why can't why why is this doing this and so i'm so consumed with solving the problem i'm sitting at the kitchen table with my iphone searching trying to find out why my computer is speaking russian but the the I'll tell you the story later. The, uh, the, and then I, I looked up just in time to see little hands reaching for a bag full of about $3,000 worth of camera gear. And I said, whoa, actually, I didn't say that. 
I use what Jeff Foxworthy calls an international language, something that toddlers, uh, that full-grown adults, teenagers, even dogs recognized. I opened my mouth and said, eh! <laughs> and little hands stopped. <laughs> Foxworthy was right. And I don't know why that is. It even works with cats. If you see, if you see, eh! cats, dogs, wait a second. I'm sorry. The dog over here is just like, what, what, what did I do? <laughs> you didn't do anything. You're food. You're cool. You're all right. You're a good girl. But, the, <laughs> but the, that was pretty much the high point of excitement for the, for the weekend was, uh, me calling down, um, uh, <laughs> three-year-old trying to reach for my, my, uh, camera gear. Uh, anyway, and you're wondering, Mark, what are you doing with three grand worth of camera gear? It's another life. It's just, it's just collections over the years of stuff that I used to use, um, back, back in a previous life. Just, just put it that way. I used to, I was the guy walking around with a camera in the dark at big gatherings, taking pictures of the stage. I was crawling around behind the stage, taking pictures across from the back of the stage towards the audience. I was, I was taking pictures of everything. And, um, I, and I did that because at one point I realized, you know, nobody's taking pictures. And so I started, started collecting gear and taking pictures and uh, anyway, so, um, that was pretty much the high point. I, I've, uh, I, what else is there? Is there anything else? The lawnmower is broken again. I've got to work on that. I'm not working on it today though. It's going to get cold here. It's been raining. It's wet outside. And, uh, when, uh, the clock went off this morning, actually I got up before the clock went off. I, I've been up since about four 30 and uh, I checked the temperature. It was 45. Uh, it is not 45 now. <clears throat> it is, uh, the last time I checked and I just glanced at my wrist where my watch is not. And, uh, the last time I checked, it was, uh, oh, I just looked It's 41 right now. It's dropped four degrees since I got up this morning and will continue to drop throughout the day until it gets into the lower thirties this afternoon. We're talking about snow flurries, no accumulation. We're talking about winter is hitting us just after Thanksgiving here in beautiful Alabama. It's going to be an interesting day. I, I'm looking forward to when the uh, <laughs> to when the first snow flurries appear. <laughs> when those first snow flurries appear, <laughs> and <laughs> and uh, people start going insane, that's going to be crazy. Anyway, but there we have it. And I, <laughs> that little disjointed rambling is pretty much how things went for the weekend. It's been a a a, a, a weekend where I have spent most of my time trying to solve a computer problem. And that computer problem, you know, see, I know I talk about tech issues a lot, but I really don't have a lot of tech issues. It's just when I do, they're catastrophic. So <laughs> I, uh, my, um, uh, I told you, uh, last week that my big Hackintosh build, the, the screaming computer, the, is, uh, the went, uh, assume, it assumed room temperature. <laughs> it went tango uniform. It was pushing up the daisies, uh, last week. I, it, uh, I shut it off and when I turned it back on again, it wouldn't boot. And so I've, I, uh, went back into my files and I found everything I used to set it up to do what I wanted to do. And I reloaded everything. And when it came up, it was it all, everything on screen was in Russian. And I spent, that's what I was trying to solve when I was sitting at the kitchen table and I spotted the kid reaching for the, ah! and so I, I found the answer to that problem. And so it spoke English and then it would boot up and I would get ah, maybe a minute 
into using it and and uh, setting things up, you know, clicking all the little boxes you're supposed to click and answering, you know, this is what I do. This, this is my first name. This is my last name. Filling all the information and then boink, it would reboot. And I, I, I know I finally just started from scratch and redid everything without trying to use the old files. I found a different method. And so now it sits over there looking at me with the Catalina Island on the screen and, um, everything is hunky and dory. And when I finish this podcast, I will slip over to that machine and edit another podcast, uh, which will drop tomorrow evening and I'll get that out of the way. And then I'll do some more maintenance on it. And that's, that's the story of the computer. What else? The lawnmower. Oh gosh. The lawnmower situation is weird. I've got replacement parts, but that means I'm going to have to get on the cold concrete, jack up a lawnmower, get underneath it, do a lot of work. Eh, you don't want to hear about that anyway, but that's, that's, that's a story for another day. Maybe you never know. Let's shift off to things that actually are impacting you and not just me. <laughs> Enough about me. What about you? Well, Candace Owens has challenged Facebook. Actually, Facebook's fact checker, PolitiFact, you know, Facebook is using a, a group of leftist, uh, leftist media sources to check, to fact check people's posts. And in so doing, they're actually not, they're not serving up the truth. They're serving up leftism. And I've called them out on this. Uh, if you follow if you follow the podcast on Facebook, then you've seen me in the last few days challenge them and reveal who they use in some cases for their fact checking. Um, one of them is, uh, um, it's a press organization. It's a press outlet in France that is supposed that, that's, that is used by, uh, it's used around the world as a fact checking source but it's a press source. It's also a leftist liberal press source. It's based in France. It's funded through the government. It, not directly, but through various channels, which the money flows from the government through to this agency. And so they can't be trusted. They used that against me the other day and I called them out. And, um, what else, uh, is there, there's, there, there are other things as well. The, um, the story about Candace Owens though, is that, is that she said, no, no, you're not getting away with this. And she sued them. Here's the story coming from the epochtimes.com. A self-described fact-checking website recently issued a correction after labeling a post by Candace Owens saying democratic presidential nominee by uh, Joe Biden isn't president elect. They said it was false. PolitiFact issued a statement following a threat of legal action from the popular conservative commentator saying, correction, PolitiFact originally labeled this video false in our capacity as a third party fact checker for Facebook. On November 20th, an appeal to that decision was made on behalf of Ms. Owens. PolitiFact approved the appeal on November 20th, determined that a correction was appropriate and removed the false rating. <laughs> That's just their way of saying we got caught. Remember, Joe Biden has declared victory in the presidential election, and many news outlets have been referring to him as president-elect. The Epoch Times isn't calling the race, this is the, the source that this is from, until all litigation contesting the election results play out. 
And this is the wise thing to do. If your news organization has called the race for Joe Biden already, you need to flush that news organization down the tube and stop using it because they're lying to you. You are being gaslighted. They are telling you falsehoods because Joe Biden is not the president elect until the electoral college speaks until the until Congress speaks until the lawsuits are settled. He is not president elect. The news media doesn't determine who your president is. The constitutional process tells you who your president is. In the video, Candace Owens discussed how Biden isn't president-elect until the Electoral College decides who, the, who, who to vote for, and those votes are counted in a joint session of Congress on January 6th, 2021. She wrote in an accompany, accompanying caption to her video, quote, Joe Biden is literally and legally not the president-elect. So why is the media pretending he is? PolitiFact rated the assertion false, prompting the threat of legal action from Owens. <laughs> she wrote on November 28th, this is just a couple of days ago, after the correction was issued, she said, weeks ago, Facebook censored a post of mine which truthfully stated that Joe Biden is not the president-elect. So I got lawyers involved. Conclusion, PolitiFact uncensored the post and admitted they lied by rating my post false. The fact checkers are lying for Democrats. The correction was not added to PolitiFact's website. PolitiFact, which receives funding from Facebook, is one of about a dozen websites utilized by the social media platform to perform fact checks, which have been widely criticized for their oft-subjective nature. Most Facebook fact checkers are dominated by left-leaning funding personnel and organizations. PolitiFact published an article earlier this month saying Biden is president-elect of the United States, although the website acknowledged that there's still more left in the process and that the declaration is subjective. PolitiFact can not be trusted and never has been trustworthy. PolitiFact has always been a left-leaning liberal outlet for disinformation. It is one of the sources Facebook is using to fact-check your posts. And they're using many other organizations like that. So please be aware, Candace Owens is fighting. You should too. It's the Daily Perspective Podcast. Welcome back. It's Monday, the 30th day of November 2020. We've just made it through a holiday weekend, a Black Friday, which was more like a gray Friday. My wife went uh, with her sister and our niece uh, and did some Christmas shopping. And um, she said it wasn't like a regular Black Friday. I, <laughs> I'm being, for once, the same member of the family decided to stay home <laughs> and not partake. I, I'm, I just don't like the, the crowds and the parking lots and the craziness. And last year, last year, not Black Friday shopping, but just out. Because she had a couple of things on the list that she wanted to get taken care of. And so I said, sure, let's go. We'll get a bite to eat. We'll pick up your stuff. And we ended up going everywhere looking for one thing. And people in parking lots are crazy. 
parking lots are the most dangerous places to drive. And last Christmas proved it to me with great finality. It was just people. There were two or three times. Two or three times we almost got hit in parking lots because people were just rushing or not paying attention or looking the other way or or pedestrians were being crazy. uh, Anyway, so much for Black Friday. It wasn't a big one. Now, yesterday, over the weekend, over in Georgia, things got really complicated and confusing. And if you were trying to keep track of what was going on in Georgia, then... I've got a piece here from American Thinker, AmericanThinker.com, to kind of dig into this with and to to help you understand what happened in Georgia to make things flip flop the way it ha- they have over the last few days. It's a uh, it's an article written by Andrea Widberg called "Understanding the Head Spinning Series of Court Orders in Georgia." Um, if you're oh, by the way, before I go there, I've got this open and I I opened it to mention it to you. Our local ABC affiliate here in the Birmingham area, ABC 3340, posted on Twitter, President-elect Biden unveils January 20th inaugural committee. And I usually will post underneath anytime they, this particular station, refers to him as President-elect. He's not President-elect until the Electoral College votes and Congress counts the votes. Learn your constitution. Something to that effect. Somebody beat me to it today, though. (laughs) What they did was they they actually copied and pasted an image from Twitter that says, this claim about Joe Biden winning the election is disputed. (laughs) So they used Twitter's own images against the TV station, which I just love. I just, in fact, let me mark that, is I love it because I need to, because they need to know. (laughs) all right i've done that now if you're wondering what happened in georgia on sunday you're not alone a federal district court issued three different orders about county officials plans to wipe dominion voting machines thankfully the last order gets it right and stops georgia officials from erasing information on voting machines at the heart of the debate about election fraud Word went out that Georgia officials were wiping Dominion voting machines in Fulton County, ostensibly to prepare them for the runoff election, which is more than a month away. In Carrico, Jacon Pearson et al. versus Brian Kemp et al., a lawsuit seeking to stop Georgia from certifying the election, the plaintiffs filed an emergency request for injunctive relief to stop the deletions. Judge Timothy C. Batten Sr. issued an order stopping Union County officials from wiping voter machines. Uh, And let me give you a small quote from that. In addition, plaintiffs contend that Union County officials have advised that they are going to wipe or reset the voting machines of all data and bring the count back to zero on Monday, November 30th. That would be today. To the extent plaintiffs seek a temporary restraining order to preserve the voting machines of the state of Georgia and to prevent any wiping of data, their motion is granted. Defendants are ordered to maintain the status quo and are temporarily enjoined from wiping or resetting any voting machines in the state of Georgia until further order of the court. This was an appropriate order. The point of injunctive relief is to stop irreversible actions that could negatively affect material issues in a lawsuit. An hour later, Judge Batten reversed his order. 
because plaintiffs had not named the county officials who controlled the voting machines. Now, do you get this? They, the, the plaintiff in the case didn't name county officials. And so he said, well, well, we can't do that because you didn't name who these people are. It is seriously, you talk about legality. It is, it is a technicality. Uh, that's what it was. Now, when Lynn Wood learned about this order, the, he's one of the guys who's been suing the state of Georgia over the election. He asked this a question, a question which was really appropriate. He says, why are Georgia officials determined to wipe these machines clean by resetting them? At this point, Lynn Wood's counsel in a different matter failed, uh, filed a, what's called a spoliation letter. Briefly, the spoliation doctrine in law holds that when a party to litigation, a person or entity who knows litigation is possible and imminent or a person constrained by law destroys documents, that destruction creates the automatic presumption that the evidence so destroyed proved the liability or guilt of the person or entity who carried out that destruction. Put more simply, only someone guilty would destroy evidence. So Lynn Wood's counsel in a different matter had actually filed a spoliation letter about something else. In that letter, Wood's attorney put the defendants on notice as to the evidence they will be expected to make available as that litigation continues. Now, meanwhile, in Pearson versus Kemp, Things were looking grim. However, late in the evening, Judge Batten reversed himself again. In his third, hopefully final, order, Batten summarized the party's arguments. The plaintiffs said they would amend their complaint to add the county officials, which would address the court's concerns about jurisdiction. The defendants, who do not include Dominion, said, quote, allowing such forensic inspections would pose substantial security and proprietary trade secret risks to defendants. Why would Georgia government officials be claiming proprietary trade secret risks in the Dominion voting system? Why? Plaintiff's counsel countered that defendants could record any forensic analysis. Afterward, the information would not be released, but would be subject only to the court's review. This is the norm in cases involving trade secrets and proprietary information. So they've guaranteed protection. Judge Batten decided he needed more information. He gave the defendants until Wednesday, December 2nd at 5 p.m. to file a detailed brief explaining their concerns. In the meantime, defendants are hereby enjoined and restrained from altering, destroying, or erasing, or allowing the alteration, destruction, or erasure of any software or data on any Dominion voting machine in Cobb, Gwinnett, and Cherokee counties. It took three tries. But for the time being, the court finally got it right. One more thing. Lynn Wood is among those advising Georgia conservatives to boycott the January 5th election in the Senate runoff. This is bat crap crazy. I just want to say this is they have they have legally set into motion a runoff election 
and he's telling people don't participate, which basically just gives the election to the Democrats running for the Senate and to Joe Biden. The flip should be the, the, the flip side of this should be the obvious alternative. You should be voting. If you live in Georgia, do not bo- do not boycott this election. Don't do it. Don't do it. Until the fraud's proven, the elections are going forward, and it's imperative that conservatives turn out in full force. In fact, if you know conservatives who didn't get in a vote last time, drive them to their voting place this time. Get more people out there and vote. Georgia, you've got to make this decision, and you've got to make it right. If we lose the Senate, then this country is lost. There's no other way I can put this. It's not extreme. This is not over the top. It's not unrealistic. It's not sensationalist. It's the fact. If the Democrats get control of the Senate and maintain control of the House, and they manage to somehow win the presidency, even with all of the challenges, you will never see another conservative in the White House. You'll never see another Republican president. And your nation will be lost because they will complete the fundamental transformation of the United States of America begun by Barack Hussein Obama. Welcome back. Thanks for being along for the ride for this Monday, November 30th, 2020 on the Daily Perspective podcast. The podcast whose name I can't even say. (laughs) Too much turkey. Um, Actually, not much turkey at all over the weekend. It was uh, more ham. This happens every year around our place, okay? This just just a little family FYI from, from us. There's always a turkey, a big turkey. And there's always a big spiral sliced honey baked ham always both of them both of them and in my refrigerator right now is probably five pounds of ham okay that's an exaggeration there's a lot of ham in the fridge a lot and so i've had ham sandwiches i've had leftover ham i've had i've had a little bit of turkey i've had there's so much leftover food in the fridge. I will be eating Thanksgiving leftovers um, for at least this entire week. I've had, uh, let's see, ham sandwiches. Let's see, I had two of them three, three different times. Had uh, some last night. I, I, it's just, I, before long, I'll be sprouting a curly tail and start oinking. It's just, <laughs> just <sighs> Thanksgiving leftovers. Anyway. You know, I did, and it makes me, it, it brings to mind that my dad, um, who lives in Pensacola has a recipe, um, for something he calls Turkey bone soup. And I need to get that recipe because I want the Turkey carcass from, from the next big meal, the one at Christmas. And I want to make a big pot of Turkey. And it's basically, it's just, it's, it's no, you don't eat the bones. Come on. 
please. That's just silly. Don't be that way. The it's, it's, you're using the Turkey and the left, everything from the, you know, that's left over from the Turkey. You put it in a pot and you boil it and then you strain, you strain it, you strain it off and you get all of the stuff out of it. You don't want in it. And then, then you add noodles and you add uh, some veggies and some other seasonings. And by the time you're done with it, it is just slap your mama. Great. That's what it is. It's just awesome. It's so good. Oh, I've just made myself hungry. It is, it's 20, it's like 25 minutes till nine o'clock in the morning central time. And I'm ready for lunch already. I've just succeeded in making myself hungry. Yikes. Anyway, it's because I've had it and I went, it's so good. And these big old wide noodles. It's just, oh, well, in his first public interview since being pardoned by President Trump, General, retired Lieutenant General Michael Flynn says there is still a coup in progress against the president. Flynn, who also served during the Obama administration as director of the Defense Intelligence Agency and then as Trump's first national security advisor, warned Americans on November 28th that there is currently an assault on our way of life that has been going on since the beginning of Trump's presidency. He said, they've upped their game, talking about certain figures in the Democratic Party, which he said is, is, is only a name now since their shift way over to the left. He says, when they lost in 2016, I think there was a decision to say, we're not going to allow this to happen again. Talking about the Democratic Party's leadership. He then pointed to the heightened political divisiveness during the entire four years of the Trump presidency, during which time the mainstream press, alongside what he described as effectively the Democratic Socialist Party of America, has been trying to remove Trump from office. Quote, I mean, I think what we experienced over the last four years, and certainly in the late 2016, early 2017 period, was a very strong effort to unseat a duly elected president. Hmm, sounds familiar. He said that Trump, as a non-politician from New York, faced an unprecedented onslaught of political, technological, and also financial pressure early in his tenure to force him to walk away from politics. He says, I know there was some sentiment that maybe he'll just say, you know what, I don't need this stuff. I got better things to do and leave. Thank God that he didn't. But as Trump remained in office, Flint said the political establishment and the media continued to go after him in any way possible, which played out publicly in psychological operations, such as the Russia probe and House Democrats impeachment effort, and more recently, the politicization of the Chinese Communist Party virus pandemic. And I will add that this this uh, psychological psychological operations i've talked about this in recent weeks psych warfare psychological warfare it's going on right now that's one reason you're seeing uh joe biden referred to as the president-elect when he is not they are pounding it into people's psyches that he is the president-elect when he is not the president-elect they're pounding it into people's psyches that he won fair and square and they're ignoring, not reporting at all on the massive corruption, the weird, just weird sudden appearance of hundreds of thousands of votes in the wee hours of the morning after Election Day. 
They're ignoring all of the evidence to the contrary, not reporting on it. They're gaslighting you, and the gaslighting is psych warfare, just like, just like General Flynn says. Mm. Now, Flynn claims, because the Democratic Party didn't achieve the result in the vote it needed to secure former Vice President Joe Biden's place in the White House, America is seeing theft with mail-in ballots and theft with the Smartmatic software and Dominion systems. This is a coup, still a coup in progress, he says. He went further to say that the ideological cousin of America's far-left political groups, the Chinese Communist Party, has interests in supporting such a coup. Quote, what we've seen is, over the last probably two decades, is a complete shift in how fast, I believe, that communist China, in their long-term plan, decided to sort of move up their plans to become the sole global superpower on the planet. I believe when, during the last 2016 election, when they didn't get the candidate that they needed, and the kind of ideology that they saw America moving toward, they were not going to allow 2020 to happen. He said, blaming the foreign-owned software systems used in the election for leaving the country vulnerable to foreign influence. But he added, with the hundreds and hundreds of American patriots across the country coming forward to offer their witness testimony as affidavits to warriors on the legal battleground, people like Rudy Giuliani and Lynn Wood, he said, I believe we're going to see some momentum changing here. There already is an undercurrent of momentum shifting for the president. And I believe that at the end of the day, we're going to find out that he won by a massive landslide and he'll be inaugurated come this January. Mm. Flynn made headlines, of course, in 2017 when he was targeted by the intelligence community for charges of Russian collusion. While he pleaded guilty on December 1st of 2017 to lying to the FBI over speaking to then-Russian ambassador to the U.S. Sergei Kislyak during Trump's 2016 transition period, he later withdrew his plea, saying it was part of a deal with prosecutors over threats of charges targeting his son. The retired three-star general also accused the government of misconduct related to his case. His case was used by the media to push the unsubstantiated narrative that the Trump campaign colluded with the Kremlin to sway the outcome of the 2016 election. Senator Ted Cruz, the Republican of Texas who sits on the Senate Judiciary Committee, said on November 10th that the FBI's motivation for pursuing Flynn was bogus political persecution and prosecution by those who disagree politically with President Trump. Now, even to this day, your liberal friends will say, yeah, well, he lied, he lied, and you try to tell them what actually happened, and they keep saying, well, he lied, he lied. And he, he confessed to lying. He confessed. That's what they keep saying. He confessed. It was part of a plea deal. He knew that in order to protect his family from being attacked by these same evil people, he had to make a deal. And so he made a deal. He pled guilty to save his son. And then later, when... <laughs> when his legal team changed and Madame Kraken took his case, he reversed his plea because he realized he didn't have to play ball with them because they were evil. They were breaking U.S. law. They were using him to get to the president 
And the president, now that neither he nor the president had done anything wrong. You see, Michael Flynn was doing his job. And the left was looking for any excuse to torpedo the Trump campaign, to to torpedo the Trump transition, and to actually, they succeeded in doing this, to put Russia in the minds of millions of people when Russia had nothing to do with Trump's election. The The extent of Russia's involvement in the 2016 election was they bought they bought some facebook ads and actually they targeted both sides what they're saying happened did not happen they're still playing psych warfare with that even today screaming russia you need no look no further than adam schiff to see that He is still crying Russia to this day. Did you know that actually it's here just in the last, uh, what was it this morning? I saw this this morning and now I'm looking back. I'm scrolling back because like an idiot, I didn't preserve it and I should have, but 47, I think it's 47% of people surveyed by Rasmussen. And Rasmussen is a dependable, reliable, for the most part, reliable survey organization, a polling organization. 47% of Americans surveyed by Rasmussen say they now believe that there was funny business going on in the election. They believe that the Biden campaign participated in vote fraud. 47% of Americans now believe this. It's not just, eh, it could have been, maybe, you never know. 47% of Americans. It's becoming more and more clear to American people that they are being lied to. Hopefully, you are one of those people. You are realizing that the press is lying to you. The Democrats are lying to you, but I digress. They're the same. And it's up to you to discern the truth, to seek it, to inform yourself. Otherwise, you'll never really know what's actually happening. Over on spectator.org, there's an article that uh, I'm going to share with you in just a second about objective data burying the legitimacy of the Biden win. And in today's show notes, I want you to understand that in today's show notes, I'm including some information as study material. And uh, you should get that today. Go to dailyperspectivepodcast.com or look on the uh, on Facebook and Twitter. I'll, I'll try to post links there today so that you can get the show notes and uh, read into it. And, and uh, Trust me, it's long, it's involved, but it's necessary. And I think, I think uh, you would benefit from seeing the breakdown of what's happening as far as this information is concerned. 
because uh, let, me, let me pull up my show notes for you. It's uh, it's called Anomalies in Vote Counts and Their Effects on Election 2020. And it's from a place called Vote Pattern Analysis. And um, you need to see this information because the more truth you see, as I tell you again and again, the more you recognize the lies. It's easier to recognize lies when you're familiar with the truth. So please, familiar yourself familiarize yourself hello familiar yourself familiarize yourself with the truth okay now back to this article by uh, david catron on on spectator.org during the weeks following november 3rd innumerable election experts and statistical analysts have poured over the voting data upon which former vice president joe biden's purported campaign victory ostensibly stands a growing body of evidence, ranging from straightforward ballots, uh, ballot audits to complex quantitative analysis, suggests that the tabulation of the votes was characterized by enough chicanery to alter the outcome of the election. Consequently, a consensus has gradually developed among the auditors of publicly available information released by the states, and it contradicts the narrative promulgated by the Democrats and the media. The more data experts see the less convinced they are that Biden won. Among the analysts who question the, legitim uh, the legitimacy of Biden's victory is Dr. Navid Kashavar's uh, Nia, a cybersecurity expert whose technical expertise was touted by the New York Times last September and who has been described as a hero in the Washington Monthly. It's unlikely that either publication will be singing his praises for his work pursuant to the recent election. His damning analysis of the electronic manipulation of votes that occurred in the early hours of November 4th appears in a sworn affidavit included with C.J. Pearson versus Kemp, a lawsuit filed by attorney Sidney Powell in the district, U.S. District Court for the Northern District of Georgia. His nine-page affidavit describes how it is possible to manipulate votes, where this occurred, and sums up his findings as follows, I conclude with high confidence that the election 2020 data were altered in all battleground states, resulting in hundreds of thousands of votes that were cast for President Trump to be transferred to Vice President Biden. These alterations were the result of systemic and widespread exploitable vulnerabilities in DVS, CITL SOE software, and Smartmatic systems that enabled operators to achieve the desired results. In my view, the evidence is overwhelming and incontrovertible. Dr. Kisavar's Nia is by no means the only expert to reach the conclusion that widespread vote tampering occurred. There's a link here that this goes to, and you'll have it in the show notes. This is this examination of election results, for example, uses quantitative analysis to identify some very odd anomalies in the 2020 vote patterns, but it isn't necessary to be a sophisticated statistician or cybersecurity expert possessed of arcane knowledge of how voting machines operate to see that enough ballot fraud occurred to change the election results in several states. What uh, Kashavar's uh, Nia provides, that he provides his findings in a sworn affidavit under penalty of perjury, renders him highly credible. Still, his conclusions are rather opaque to anyone without an enormous amount of training and experience in his field. This requires many of us to take what he says on faith. I mean, it's, it's kind of, it's, it's tough to digest. It's hard to get through. 
Now, bearing this in mind, Matt Brainerd of the Voter Integrity Project approached the 2020 results in a far less arcane fashion. His team analyzed publicly available data on absentee ballots, and he explained his findings in a way that any intelligent voter can understand. The Voter Integrity Project, VIP, looked at suspicious ballot activity in Arizona, Georgia, Michigan, Nevada, Pennsylvania, and Wisconsin. Among the most significant VIP findings involved people who changed their state of residence, yet voted absentee using their prior address. In Arizona, which Biden won by 10,457 votes, there were 19,997 questionable votes. In Georgia, which Biden won by 12,670 votes, VIP found 138,221 questionable votes. In Wisconsin, which Biden won by 20,608 votes, there were 26,673 such questionable votes. As Brainerd told the Epoch Times, quote, this election, it appears to me, has been decided by ballots that are highly questionable. I can give you the list of the people who voted in this election, who filed national change of address cards in Georgia, moving themselves to another state. I can also also show you the subsequent state voter registrations of these individuals in other states who then cast absentee ballots back in Georgia. I have no confidence that Joe Biden is the deserved winner of this election. Brainerd has been asked to present the findings of the Voter Integrity Project to Monday's hearing, today's hearing, with members of Arizona's legislature. Moreover, as Brainerd tweeted Friday, quote, the VIP findings have also been included in court filings in Pennsylvania, Georgia, Michigan, Wisconsin, and Arizona, including declarations we collected. Sunday, another tweet by Brainerd revealed that the FBI has proactively requested VIP findings that may indicate illegal ballots. Meanwhile, no discussion of 2020 election skullduggery is complete without a discussion of the Democrat precincts that record more votes than registered voters. Representative Bill Posey, Republican of Florida, tweeted the following on that perennial topic. Quote, according to an affidavit in the Michigan lawsuit, One Michigan precinct, township, had 781.91% turnout. How does this happen? 781.91% turnout. Another thing, another question is, how do you have a .91? Aren't voters whole numbers? Whole people? Well, it's a good question. No fewer than six precincts listed by Representative Posey experience turnout exceeding 120%. Another 10 allegedly enjoyed 100% turnout. This is an insult to the electorate's intelligence, and it happened in in Democrat precincts all across the nation. From World War II through 2016, the average turnout in a presidential election was about 56%. Yet... We're expected to believe that in 2020, the national turnout rate was 66%. It simply doesn't pass the laugh test. This is obviously the result of widespread Democrat chicanery 
facilitated by high-handed flouting of federal, state, and county election laws. Joe Biden's victory is no more legitimate than his plagiarized rhetoric or, or working-class credentials. His presidency would be no more authentic than the man himself. And as we've discussed on several occasions, Joe Biden is a liar and has always been a liar. He has stolen the work of other people and credited it to himself. He has lied about how his wife and daughter died and for years blamed a truck driver saying that he was driving drunk when he was not. He has lied about his, his status in law school. He has lied about his education. He's lied about his career. He's lied about many, many things. He's buddied up with former members of the KKK. He's passed and he's pushed and passed legislation which victimized black men. He's misrepresented himself and everything about who he says he is or pretends to be for the entirety of his political career. Joe Biden is not a trustworthy man and should never, never be trusted with access to the Oval Office or anything that represents. And his VP choice is no better. No time to get into her at this moment. Probably not a good choice of words considering how she climbed the political ladder, but that's it for today. Once again, Joe Biden is a liar and has always been a liar and always will be a liar. And while they may accuse Donald Trump of telling lies, he's an absolute amateur compared to Joseph Robinette Biden, who has spent 47 years not actually doing a real job, but pretending to be someone he is not. And that's it for today. God bless you. Have a great Monday. Let's get back together tomorrow for the next edition of the Daily Perspective Podcast. Bye-bye. Oh, we're, uh, we're done.